0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Edinburgh Church. It is uh, so good to have you. It's so good to see so many here today. Uh, Okay, some of you are looking around like, dude, where's that voice coming from? Uh, Hey, I'm actually back here. Hello. Hello. My name is Joshua. It's uh, good to be with you today. If you don't know who I am, I'm one of the pastors here. And I actually just thought I would start today's message by letting you know that I'm going to be preaching from back here. Uh, I hope that's okay. I hope that's cool. That guy over there just started sweating profusely for some reason. I think there's a lady over there that just, like, looked at the side door and was thinking about making a run for it. Uh, but, you know, I just thought, we're in this series called Strange Things, and so I just thought, I just, see, this is what you get for coming late, okay? You, you get Those front row seats are looking pretty good right now, aren't they? All right. Okay, I'm not, I, you guys in the back can settle down, I'm not going to preach from back here, um, but I just wanted you to see right kind of from the start. I wanted to make it a little bit memorable, a little bit weird, okay, a little bit awkward, a little bit different. Because that's what this series is about. It's about acting, you know, oh, fist bump. Thanks, man. Thanks. It's about uh, acting a little bit different. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at some things that Jesus said that were so different that it made everyone around him feel super super uncomfortable. And that's why I love this series. Uh, Well, today I'm going to be speaking on the topic of servanthood. Now, already some of you are like, dang it, I knew I should have slept in this morning. No, listen to me, hear me. I really believe that what I have to share with you today has the power to make a significant impact in your life. I believe this. It has the ability to change your life, to leave a mark. So let's just start with the obvious, okay? Let's just be open and honest with each other. Isn't it true that most of us, deep down, we would rather be served than to serve someone else? Let's just be honest about that. I know I would be. I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. I love it when people serve me. I think it's the best. Don't we love convenience? Don't we love being served by other people? Don't we love being first? it's the best, I'm telling you. When I say we, by the way, I mean me as well, okay? I'm not preaching today out of this position of incredible strength, okay? As a matter of fact, uh, this whole idea of servanthood, it's been a constant struggle for me ever since I came to Christ as a teenager. In fact, I would argue that next to giving, which Pastor Brent talked about last week, did a fantastic job, next to giving, I think this is by far the most difficult concept to put into practice as a believer and make it a priority. I do. Now, the beautiful thing about when I crack my Bible is, is if you're anything like me, you find a little bit of hope in the fact that when you look at the guys and gals that hung out with Jesus, those who were closest to him, they struggled with this selfish, self-seeking attitude themselves. And as we're going to see, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 20 today. We're going to highlight some of those selfish, self-seeking behaviors. Now, folks, just hear me. These are the same people that spent all their time with Jesus. These guys were with Jesus 24-7. Okay, They were his followers, his disciples. They camped together. They ate together. They sat under the teaching of Jesus. Wrap your brain around this. They breathed the same air as the God-man. That's crazy to me. Now, before I go any further, I just want to encourage you, hopefully you received a handout today. I have an outline if you want to follow along and use that uh, to follow along with me today. But let's jump into this text in Matthew chapter 20. Here's what it says, Matthew 20, starting at verse 20. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. Okay, now don't miss that point. It's not just the mom, it's the mom and the two boys, She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, Jesus said. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. Okay, now this is gutsy. This is gutsy. Okay, now where are the moms in here? Moms, where are you? Okay, moms, do you blame her? I and mean, seriously, this is a good Jewish mother, okay? She wanted the best for her boys. Okay? They already weren't gonna be doctors and lawyers. They're following Jesus around. And she could tell her fr- and all she could tell her friends when it came to bragging about your kids, well, they're fishermen. Okay, that's all she had. That's all she had. So maybe she was looking for some bragging rights here with the other moms. Maybe she was looking to say, you know what, though, when my boys get to heaven, they're gonna be in the luxury box with Jesus. You know, I have no idea. But that's what she wanted. And you know what? You can't blame her. That's a good mom. She advocated for her boys. Okay, how many of you have a mom like that? You have one of those moms, okay? She's, she's always speaking highly of you, always jocking. Okay, my mom was that way. Always praising me. Okay, so she, if she's ever here, be careful what you say about me in her presence because she's got a wicked left hook, you guys. I'm telling you. just <laughs> Be warned. Be warned. Let's keep going with the story. Here's what happens next. When the ten disciples, so the other ten, the other ten disciples heard this, they became indignant with the two brothers. Now, just picture this. They were mad. They were, like, stinking mad, okay? Now, you've got to believe these ten other guys are going, James and John, I can't believe it you have stooped to an all-time low. You total suck-ups. You brought your mom to Jesus to vouch for you guys? That was probably what's going on. Now, I was thinking about this. Like, do you know why I think they were so mad, the other 10? Why they were just ticked? I think they were mad because they were afraid that James and John were actually going to get what they secretly wanted. Seriously. Seriously. They were going to get the glory. They were going to get to be first. They were going to get the best seats in the house. And there's no way these guys were going to give up the best seats in the house without a fight. Now, does that sound familiar? Does that sound like the world that we live in today? Yeah. So what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? He calls a timeout. He says, well, timeout." He gathers them together. And what he does next is he lays out... These strange kingdom rules of what it means to follow him. And it's so backwards to our human nature. Here's what he says. Verse 25. Jesus called them over and said, listen, listen, you guys, stop, listen. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among on the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you—don't miss that word "great." Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Now, I just—I just wanted to hear something really important uh, tied to this message today. Did you notice that Jesus? He doesn't reject greatness. He doesn't say, "Don't strive for greatness." In fact, he actually wants you to strive for greatness. No, you know what he does? He redefines what greatness means. That's what he does. He says, you know what? If you want to be great, you serve. If you want to be in the front, you go to the back. If you want to stand out in life, you step down. Then he gives his own life as an example. Look at verse 28. For the Son of Man, that was a name for Jesus. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, this is one of those mind-blowing, strange, and startling qualities of Jesus. The God-man himself says, I'm a servant. If anybody should be served, it should be him. If anybody exalted and placed first, it's Jesus. If anybody adored and appreciated and given the spotlight, is him. But he say, no, I came to serve. You know what that did? That shocked people. It was backwards. It was strange. And after Jesus left and the church was started, it was so strange that when Christians started to actually live out this strange behavior of putting others first and serving, guess what? People noticed. Whole communities noticed. Whole governments noticed. Whole states noticed. It, 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 people, so many people noticed and were so like, what is going on, that the church started to swell and grow. Do you know why people noticed? Because it went against every cultural norm of look out for you, you, you. And this brings me to the big question that we really should ask every week. Okay, Josh, why? why serve? Why servanthood? Like, what's the big deal? Okay, let's just start there. Why should we serve? Why should we adopt a posture of servanthood? Well, to answer that question, it really kind of depends on where you are spiritually. Now, if you are here this morning and you are a Christian, you have given your life to Christ, why serve? Well, let me give you a pretty straight answer. It's because you were created to serve. You, and, and you never act more like God than when you serve. Because God, in his very essence, is a servant. Think about it. Jesus was the living embodiment of God serving us. Servanthood for God, it wasn't this passing idea, is part of his very nature. Now God wants to shape you and mold you into the best version of you that you can be. Which means God wants to build into you the same qualities that were in Jesus. I mean, because Jesus was what? He was the perfect model, right? He's the one we're supposed to look to and say, that's what I want to pattern my life after. So when you and I serve, guess what happens? We now act like Christ and become the salt and the light to the world around us, which points to his glory and his nature. Isn't that cool? Friends, if you're a Christian, why serve? Because God created you to serve. And he's molding you into his image. It's the essence of who God is. You are never living more like God than when you serve. Can I say that again? You are never living more like God than when you serve. Now, maybe you're sitting here today, and I want to talk to you, and you're like, well, I don't know if I'd quite say I'm a Christian yet. I'm still kind of checking out this whole God thing. Let me just say, we're so glad you're here. And if that's you, man, this message is for you too. Why, why should I serve? Okay, let's just forget about the spiritual stuff for a second, okay? Why serve? Because I believe it makes you a better person. Bottom line. Not only do we know that intuitively, we know that through observation. Chances are when you look at somebody who is happy, healthy, fulfilled, gracious, secure, and they're just, they're just good, nice people, they're probably leading a life of casting a shadow of servanthood wherever they go. Think about the people that you know, just for a minute. Think about the people you know who have a servant heart and others' first mindset. Is there not something about them that draws you to them? Think about it. Any more proof? Okay, I'll go intellectual on you, okay? Okay, how about this? According to a study done by Harvard University Research Department, they discovered that those who volunteer on a regular basis experience actual health benefits. Okay? The study discovered that they have, on the average, lower blood pressure. And they are five times less likely to struggle with depression. And then they took the study even further. Okay? They, they, they moved the study into uh, folks who were retired. Like, they're not working anymore. They weren't doing a whole lot. But they found that those that were retired and kept serving actually led to longer life. <laughs> really? Yeah. Friends, if you're here today, okay, you're just checking out and investigating Christianity, this message can apply to you too. It's a challenge for, yes, the followers of Christ, but if you want to get better at life, try adopting a posture of serving others. One other group that I want to talk to you about, the why. Maybe you're here today, and spiritually, you're just kind of struggling. And I'm really sorry to hear that, if you feel like that's you. You know, you feel like, gosh, I'm just kind of stumbling in my faith. And I want to tell you something, and I want to be as gentle as I can, but it might be hard for you to hear. And and I've been a pastor for a long enough time, and I know this to be true in people's lives. Typically, when someone is struggling spiritually, it's because their faith has become too self-consumed. Your faith is about you. It's about what am I getting out of this? What's in it for me? And I would challenge you to say, you know what the antidote for spiritual apathy is, you guys? It's serving. It's adopting a posture of servanthood. Bottom line is, no matter where you are spiritually, this message is for you. When you serve, I'm telling you, the hunger for ambition will diminish, but the thirst for significance will increase. Now, as I continued to think about this text, I, was just, I kept reading this passage in Matthew 20 over and over and over. I kept coming, wrestling with this question. How do I teach this in a way that makes sense that we can relate to the mom who was asking for her sons and why the disciples were so angry? In other words, how can we improve our servanthood? Well, let me give you some action steps to think about, or at least to consider on your own spiritual journey in this thing called servanthood, okay? I'm gonna challenge you with this. First one is this. Recognize in yourself what is natural. Recognize in yourself what is natural. Before we can even begin to think about serving, we have to come to grips with human nature. Why doesn't serving others come naturally? Why does it feel so strange to us? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because I don't naturally want to care about other people before myself. There, I said it. You can judge me. You know what I'm interested in? Me, myself, and I. That's what comes naturally us. Guys, I don't wake up in the morning and think, serve. <laughs> I don't do that. No, man. Ever since I was a kid, I wake up and I think, superhero. I, I always wanted to be a superhero. Didn't anybody else have dreams of being a superhero? Guys, who did you want to be? Superman. Superman. Number two answer, Batman. Okay. Superman. He could pretty much do everything. Ladies, who did you want to be? Wonder woman. Wonder woman. Let's be honest. But when surveys ask people why they want to be a superhero, nobody says to help people. Nobody says to serve. No, you want to be Batman to have a cool Batmobile and park in the Batcave and be a millionaire. And also to you know, beat up people who make fun of you for wearing Speedos and tights. But that's beside the point. <laughs> As Jesus Christ had access to all the superpowers that are available in the world, and yet he came to serve. He was a king born in a barn. He lived a meager existence. He, he was basically homeless throughout his ministry, and he served others. He, he cared for people on the other side of the tracks, the down, the prostitutes, the damaged, the sick, the hungry. He was so radically countercultural to what comes naturally in our world. You remember verse 25? Hey, let me just recap that for you. He, he talks about the world, how the world works. He says, you know in this world, kings and tyrants and officials... Is that a tornado warning? Sorry. Okay. My bad. Okay, bring it back. Bring it back. Stay on target. Let's go. All right. Verse 25. Let's go back to verse 25. Here's what he says. You know that in the world, what do you say? Kings and tyrants and officials lord it over the people beneath them. What is Jesus saying here? Do you know what he's saying? He's saying there is a secular standard. And in that secular standard, it's all about you being at the top of the food chain. It's all about you, you, you. And by the way, that's still the secular standard today. But if I'm going to improve my servanthood, I've got to understand that what's natural doesn't always square with what's spiritual what's natural to me doesn't always square with what's spiritual. There's a tug of war. And I love this. Guys, I just love reading Paul because he's so raw and he's so real. Look at what he says in Romans chapter 7. Look at this with me, okay? Starting at verse 14. Paul says, listen, the law is good. The spiritual is good. And the trouble is not there, but with me. Because I am sold into slavery with sin as my owner. That's natural. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, what is spiritual, but I can't. I do what I don't want to do, what's natural, what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong, and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws, the spiritual that I'm breaking but I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin, the natural, inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. Let me ask you a question. Just reflect, okay? Just go inward for just a minute. When was the last time that you actually reflected and recognized that sin is natural to you? Hang on, just humbling yourself a little bit to say, yep, that is my natural bent." okay? Even, in your grown, even if you've been a Christian 100 years, I don't know, whatever, when was the last time you paused your life long enough to look inside and just do a little evaluation of, of who you are? Can I tell you that if you go there, and I think it's important, it can get really ugly. It can. I mean, just, just because you're a Christian, it doesn't automatically erase the selfishness And when I recognize what is natural, I realize that, here's what I I wrote down, when I look at my natural self, what I realize if I step back is that self-indulgence always leads to self-destruction. Self-centeredness leads to regret. Self-absorption leads to emptiness. I don't want that for any of us. And maybe you're on that path, and if you are, I would say, man, do an evaluation of where you're at. So I've got to recognize what's natural within me. And when I do, then I've got to make a decision. And this is the pivotal moment. I've got to make a decision. I've got to decide whether I really care or not. That's a reality. I've got to decide, do I care? Do I care enough about my self-serving lifestyle at times to do something about it? Now. I'm just going to be blunt with you. If you're here and you don't care, I can't help you. I can't. You've got to make that call. But if you're here and you're like, you know, yeah, I could get better at my servanthood. I realize I have natural selfish tendencies. Then guess what? We can take the next step. What is the next step? The second thing is this you've got to battle for what is spiritual. Battle for what is spiritual see, when you battle for what is spiritual, guess what? You're now obeying God's way, the spiritual. Obedience and, and uh, servanthood, they're Siamese twins. All right? You can't have one without the other. Look at what Jesus says in verse 26. Just put the verse up there. But among you, this is after they were fighting, but among you, it will be different. Guess what? That's a command. And like any command... I can choose to obey it or not. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. What's he saying? He's saying, among you, those of you who are my followers, it will be different. When we talk about living a life that's strange, that's this whole series, right? We don't mean weird, okay? We just mean different. And personally, in my life, when I give a little insight into Joshua here, do you know when I get most disappointed with myself, you guys? It's when I realize that I had the opportunity to be different, to act not like the rest of the world, but I did anyways. That's when I get most disappointed with myself. But Jesus commanded me, among you it will be different. You've got to battle for what is spiritual. Look at verse 27. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Two words in here. Servant, slave. Okay, honestly, do either of those words rub you guys the wrong way? They rub me the wrong way. <laughs> those are not pleasant words. Okay, and, and here's, here's what my, my mind goes back to when I hear servant slave. You know, when I was a kid, there was this, there was this mini-series. I am gonna date myself here. Way back in the it came out in the 70s, it's was, it was called Roots. Do you remember this mini-series called Roots? Okay, And it it was about this main character, his name was Kunta Kente, and it was about his life as a slave against his will in colonial America. It was actually a really good show, you guys. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, so if I want to be great, i got to be like Kunta Kente? Well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem right. But the difference is this. You see, those slaves were captive. They were captive to an evil system of man's inhumanity. But in Jesus' spiritual system, you and I are not captive. We're not captive to serve against our free will. It's through our freedom that we have in Christ that we serve as a demonstration of our love for God. You see the difference? That's what that is. That's what this battle is. I've got a battle to either obey and love God through serving, or I've got to obey what is natural and serve myself. Now, right now you're thinking, well, this sounds really hard. And yep, you're right. It is really hard. But I have good news. And the good news is you don't have to go it alone. Remember when I talked about Paul and how he was struggling with the spiritual versus natural? Okay, I just love it. Here's what he, go, he goes on in the next couple of verses, verse 24 and 25. Here's what he says. And he's just venting, right? It's, what a miserable person I am. Pity party, right? Okay, I've done that a lot. Miserable person I am, who will free me from this life, this natural life that is dominated by sin and death? Pause. Here comes the answer. Verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what I want to say to you today to give you some hope of this whole idea of servanthood. That, that, thank God that Jesus Christ can give you and I the power and the strength to do this. You're not on your own. When we recognize the sinful, natural nature of our heart, we battle it. And what we do is we lean into Christ, and we have faith that God's going to come in and do the impossible. Now let me just talk about the impossible and the possible here for a minute. God is a God who does impossible things. He split a sea apart. And an entire nation walk through. That's the type of God that does the impossible. Okay, so if God can do the impossible, Josh, what's the possible? Let me tell you what the possible is. Here's how you battle for what's spiritual. The possible is this. When I recognize what's natural and my tendency toward it, towards it, you know what's possible? I head the other direction. I take a step to serve. Then God comes in, and guess what? He does the impossible. He begins to mold me and shape me to be more like a servant so that what is typically the exception in my life now starts to become the norm. Does that make sense? I love this. My encouragement to you guys is that at some point today in this message, if you walk out of here and you say, you know what, honestly, I'll admit it, yeah. I've been a little self-seeking. I've been selfish at times. Then make a commitment. My encouragement to you is to make a commitment between you and God. Okay, you don't you don't have to blab it to your whole family. Don't get in the car after church and be like, I just want everyone to know I'm gonna be more of a servant. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that. Do you know why? Because the second you fail, they're gonna call you out. Well, you didn't make me a sandwich, yeah. Right? Don't do that. No, you make the commitment between you and God, and then you know what? You make the commitment with actions not with words make the commitment with your actions so what am I committing to I'm asking you to commit to battle for what is spiritual and the second and the third point excuse me and I'm asking you to commit to the third point which is to follow Jesus example look at verse 28 again your attitude must be like my own For I, the Messiah, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. In that moment, when everyone around him is arguing about who's the best, who's going to be in the best seats in the house, everyone is being self-sequent. He calls a timeout and he says, follow my example. Now, I think many of us can hear this message and you think automatically that to improve your servanthood, that you need to go big. Okay, what I want to say to you is, no, start small, but you you said follow Jesus' example. His examples were big. He did big stuff, and I would say to you, yeah, he did. He did do big stuff, but he was also God, so he had that whole divine thing going for him that you and I don't have, but guys, Jesus was also the master of the small serve, okay? And since we're not going to walk on water or raise anyone from the dead, I would suggest that you follow some of the small things that he did. And he did a lot of the small. From inviting people to eat, to washing their feet, to defending the lonely, to listening to the hurts of others, to speaking kind words, to looking someone in the eye. John 13, 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples at another time, and here's what he says. This is like an echo of what we just read. He says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Friends, Jesus exemplified the most important person in the world. Guess what? Was the one right in front of him. And all he ever wanted to do was help. That is the essence of servanthood, to care and just help someone grow and move forward. Okay, I want to be really practical, so I just put in my notes a whole bunch of more things, okay? So make, make a mental checklist. Here we go, right? At home, like at home, pick stuff up that isn't yours. Do the dishes first. Don't be afraid to eat last. Stop and help. Gather a neighbor's newspaper. Walk it up to their front door. Don't insist on your movie on movie night. Guys, put the toilet seat down. How about this? Listen instead of talk. Did you ever think that when you listen, you serve someone? And I, I'm, I have a hard time with this because I like to talk. I like to interject in the moment. Someone says something and I have an idea or a thought or an opinion, and I just got to throw it in there. But you know when I do that? You know what I'm doing? I'm being selfish, I'm being self seeking you serve in the little things. It's, it's writing that thank you card. It's loaning out your car for a day. It's serving once a month in the kid's ministry. It's allowing someone else to go ahead of you in line. It's holding the door open. The point I'm trying to make is you be preemptive, you guys. Don't wait to be asked before you start to serve. Just do it on your own. Mother Teresa said this later in I'm sure we've all heard that name, Mother Teresa. I found this quote, and I'm like, gosh, that is so good. She said this. I put the quote, I liked it so much, I put it in your handout, and I want to put it on the screen. She said this, little things are indeed little, but to be faithful in many little things is a great thing. Isn't that great, you guys? I love that. You know what I'm convinced of? Enkivit that God wants great things in your life. And he, mold, and he modeled what was most important to him in his nature. When he hung on the cross, that was an act of servanthood. And right before that, he met with his closest friends, his disciples, his followers at what was called the Last Supper. And he said, listen, you remember a while back when you guys were all fighting and arguing about who was going to be the best and who's going to be first? He's like, no, I want to give you an image. I want to put a picture in your brain, that you're never going to forget. And then you know what he did? He got down on his hands and his knees and he grabbed a towel and he washed their dirty, stinky feet. Okay, look with me again at John 13. He says, this, this is right after he washed their feet. He says, Listen, I've given you an example to follow do as I have done to you, verse 17. You know these things. Guys, we've been talking about it for years. You know this. Now do them. And then don't miss this last part. That is the path of blessing. You know what that word blessing actually means in the original language? It means happiness. And in the original language, the Greek language, it has this idea of future orientation, okay? So you know what Jesus is saying here? He says, now now he says, if you do these things, there will be happiness in your future. Guys, you want to be great? Serve. You want to be first? Be last. You want to make it to the front? Start in the back. You want to stand out in life? You step down. And you start now. Like the disciples, what do we want? We want to be first, we want the throne. We want the the best seat in the house. Jesus says, no, 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 go for the towel. Go for the towel, because in the towel, you're going to find blessings and rewards. And that great life that you want, I'm telling you, it's in the towel. Serve. That is my challenge to us today. Guys, I could go on and on and on about it, and and I thought long and hard about, okay, how do I... How do we wrap this up? How do we land this? So I'm going to land it by telling you this. I'm going to send out an email church-wide in the next day or two, and I'm so serious about this that I want you to read that email from me, and I want you to put your money where your mouth is. I want you to consider a way that you can serve. So you're going to get that email, and I want you to read through the opportunities, and I want you to consider just trying, stepping in and saying, all right, I'll pick up the towel. will serve. You guys pray with me? God, thanks for today. Thanks for your love, for your blessings. God, give us the courage that we might understand what it means to serve, to serve one another, and ultimately to serve you. Thank you that you came to earth as the perfect model. Lord, help us to be more and more like Jesus. And it's in his Strong nay that we name that we pray and ask this, and all God's people said.